This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. <laughs> Boy! Thank you for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast. And at this point, I'd like to give my context and trigger warnings. It is going to be a best of list, but when we talk about movies that I'm going to review this week, we're going to have a Italian Mad Max ripoff. And I should say Road Warrior ripoff. Either way, there will be misogyny and rape. And then we're going to talk about two David Cronenberg movies that bring up body horror and make it hot. If this is going to be weird kink for you, you might want to check out. 90 for Chill, the podcast, proudly presents to you Ali's Accessories Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Review. We are the new order! The one real, true, strong, and reliable force to emerge from the ruins of the atomic war. Any who oppose us are bound to fail. I'm going to show you how we stop these primitives. So I've just concluded watching 2020 Texas Gladiators, an Italian attempt at the Road Warrior style uh, film, so it's the knockoff uh, Alleged, you know, it basically does say, oh, yeah, road road warriors and all that and your IMDb. But it's a story about a post-atomic war Texas. Lots of space in Texas because there seems to be very little damage. But I digress. It starts with a group of vigilantes calling themselves the Texas Rangers rescuing a couple people after a uh from some savages and one of them leads uh, italian standby actor al cliver from zombie and i'm sure i've seen him in other films so i've seen way too many italian knockoff movies i suppose he's convinced to head and try to live a peaceful life but now a fascist government has formed using the road warriors to basically act as their military and it's up to the remaining rangers to go and take them down it's got a lot of tonal shifts i mean obviously you have your cave dweller type situation to begin then it goes to that road warrior except uh, you know pretty much you got a factory they're doing it with and i imagine it's pretty much was probably shot on one property in spain of all places then you get the fascist element then you get a little bit of uh wild west with uh even a touch of the deer hunter more caves and then you get native americans to save the day so it's of course yeah let's let's not talk about that kind of representation in this film so I mean, it's one of those movies that you definitely uh, would like to see done with a Mystery Science Theater 3000 track over it. I mean, it has it's not a, not overly offensive, except for the Native American uh, mocking. It's a bit of fun. It's not, uh, not the worst Italian knockoff, but uh, tough DVD to find, I s- suppose. I got this one. It was released by Colt Action, and it... Uh, doesn't actually have a menu screen. It just repeats itself. Like a good old CD player, I suppose. So, I don't know. It's going to be hard to track down. I got this as a door prize at B-Fest. Just a load of silliness. So, it's a nice little distraction. And not too offensive, honestly. Uh, Yeah, you got a few rapes, but um, that's par for the course. Nothing too graphic. 
Uh, worst, most blood you see is probably a nun slitting her throat in the opening. And then you have silly stuff like, you know, I complain about CGI bullet wounds. Well, this movie sets the standard with our villains and their thermo shields, which is how they end up being their downfall. I think it could probably be remade as some Native American exploitation movie. <laughs> That's where I would take it. If you like this kind of schlock, it's up. It's all right. Not gonna, as I say, it's a nice little distraction. I mean, I'm running on fumes. It's holiday season. So, I've still got four more days to work, and I've already done two. So there's no way I was going to pay attention to Robert Downey Jr. and Keith Sutherland in 1969 or, um, you know, Mike Myers' premiere performance, I suppose, in 54. So this is what I got for the energy I had, and I don't think the time was wasted. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. Thanks for coming to episode 100 of 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host. Cool Movies Darth is the handle I've been trying to get over for the last two years. And as it turns out, my fellow podcasters just like to call me CatBusRuss. So, and that's my Twitter handle, at CatBusRuss, where you can find my Mastodon information, more importantly. If you need your Amazon Echo or google nest device to give you a hands-free option just ask it to play podcast by russ stevens and that should get you to the show so i'm going to do all the reviews right after this intro otherwise we've got a couple of cronenberg movies as i said we have crash and crimes the future and i think it kind of tells a narrative of my exhausted ass after six days during the week of christmas at my retailer probably did have a low blood sugar attack one day all it did is took me 30 minutes to get back on my feet. I will complete my shift. I am that dedicated. So, with that said, we're going to try to improve upon this podcast next year. I think I've got some leads on a host. That's something to look forward to. But this episode will be about what I think were the best movies that I found that are under 100 minutes in 2022. As I say, these are the best movies I found. So they're not all 2022 releases. It was a strong year, honestly. And I was kind of impressed. That's what to look forward to. I do consult with the poetic critic on this episode. If you go to maineventofthedead.com, I have worked on this for a couple weeks already, narrowing it down from 80 movies down to our top 10 that I will talk about after we get done with the poetic critic. So that's what the show looks like this week. I'm going to run a little over my intro music, it looks like. I was getting so good at this stuff. But let's get all the final formalities out of the way. You can... Help us out by rating and subscribing on your favorite podcast apps. Five-star reviews, preferably. I will reciprocate. My username is ScoopStaley there. Another wrestling reference. If you want to talk trash about the podcast, you can do that at my Twitter account, at CatBusRust. So I'm open to criticism. I just want the algorithm, though, first. Otherwise, if you want to be on the show, because I'm still going to have guests, regardless if I get a co-host or not. I'm going to do my best to get my friends on the show or fellow podcasters and with that said you can email me the email address is rustthebus07 at gmail.com that's r-u-s-s-t-h-e-b-u-s-0-7 at gmail.com offer me a movie a theme a director an actor just try to focus on sub 100 minute material but i can make anything work i mean i'm all about algorithms as i said i just need to uh, conclude by thanking stacia harden for at least give me the energy this week to complete this podcast i am as i say running on fumes i'm aching all over and wouldn't you know it, it's my vacation with that said plenty of time to get in those requests to be on the show but again thanks Stacia, for just keeping me motivated to keep going on and do my best to honor your memory and thanks for all the lives you touched with that all said let's wrap this year up It is time to stop seeing. It is time to listen. A new world opens up. You afraid of a little emotion? Let's retrace the news, Hex. Oh, 
They are evolving away from the human path. Things will be a revelation. Might not be quite legal. So David Cronenberg does not have a discovery for me this year to be nominated um, for the best movie that I found this year in 2022. So no three-peat for him. Uh, Crimes of the Future is just a minute too long, sadly. I was doing my best to try rounding down. No such luck. But it's a... um, I mean, it's... Story-wise, there's some holes, but it's more about the imagery on this one. I think this is kind of like I the other movie I could have watched, which would have been a rewatch, but, you know, haven't seen it in 12 years, would have been Crash. And that was all about the sexuality. This kind of sprinkles in just mixing, like, this actually promises, like, sexuality is going to evolve in some method. It's a story about a future where people are happy with getting cancers, or as they like to say, neo-organs, to remove as part of performance art. People are really into body uh, modification as art. This is kind of like the Outside album uh, by uh, David Bowie. I, I, it, there's, there's, some, there's plenty of, I, there's not really any genuine sex. There's plenty of, uh, sexuality in this film, which really catches my attention. Um, the performers are all livelier than Deborah Unger Kerr. Um, if we're going to go back to weak points of say crash, I guess there's nobody who's really playing an antagonist in this movie or there are antagonists, but you don't, that's part of the story. So in this world, it opens with a mother murdering her son after she witnessed him eating and successfully digesting a plastic waste bin. From there, we discover there's an underground society of people trying to prepare the future generations to eat human waste. So it's a lot like X-Men in a sense, because there's just people who, yeah, the performance artists who are removing cancers and finding sexuality through surgery, they still want to be the basic human. It's a story of questioning evolution and such. There's weird organizations, they call it a new vice unit to discover these, well, there you go, crimes of the future. I mean, all of the surgery scenes, like there's an excellent uh, performance scenes, like there's an excellent scene with a guy who's literally all ears, um, if are fun. It's, you're just staring. This is kind of like, what if, since we're talking about 2022 movies I've seen, uh, Mad God really did have a narrative to nail down. And now I'm reorganizing. Well, what's the best movie right now? I'm between Turning Red and Mad God. And it's kind of basically like, how important is narrative? And Cronenberg just creates a visual masterpiece with this one, with his, with the ideas, not necessarily his direction. Um, and as I say, all the performances are strong. Kristen Stewart going, going, gaining more respect as an actress every film I see her in, um, provided it doesn't have a lot of hype. Sorry, I'm not going to give Charlie Angels a go. Viggo Mortensen is I just full of range. One of the best character actors who gets a lot of leading roles there is. Uh, Leah Sadu, pardon if I'm mispronouncing that, uh, as the performance partner with um, uh, Viggo Mortensen is excellent. Uh, 
very subtle. Uh, there's a nice little sense always in her performances of treachery. Uh, see the lobster, I guess, would be what I'd bring up with that. And uh, hey, even Scott Speedman shows he can still do it. Or, you know, operate with limited motivation. So it's definitely worth the watch. And um, I, I am really sad that I can't use it to possibly uh, give David Cronenberg a three-peat. But it's still making me... I'm still stuck with that argument of narrative versus uh, just display. Crimes of the Future kind of just nails that perfect middle, despite having some weaker story elements. Were you badly hurt? I think we saw each other at the hospital. You haven't told me where we're going. I haven't. The car crash is a liberation of sexual energy. Future Ballard. It's something we are all intimately involved in. Why are the police taking this so seriously? They have no idea who we really are. Describe it to me. Is there something here that interests you? This interests me. So in my exhausted state from uh, six days in a row on holiday week, I've gotten around to reviewing Crash or re-watching Crash. This would obviously be the review, the 1996 feature from David Cronenberg, his NC-17 feature, which if Showgirls would have been a success, probably would have brought some class back to the rating, but I digress. And... You know, after watching Crimes of the Future, this is like, you can see the seeds planted for the ultra-sexualization uh, that I'd say Cronenberg's nearly mastered. Um, I think this this story is about James Spader and Deborah Kara Unger, who are a married couple who are just trying to keep things spicy. So, aside from, you know, just open marriage stuff, um, trying, putting themselves in positions to get caught and what have you. After, uh, James Spader's in a car accident with Holly Hunter, Holly Hunter's husband dies in the accident, but those two are now connected because of the psychopathy, um, psychopathological, I guess would be the, uh, correct term. I was hoping it'd be a little more mean, but it's not, um, of, being turned on by car crashes and this is all kind of being facilitated and orchestrated probably the same word i mean you know plots and schemes again digression uh by elias codius sorry if i mispronounced that greek name um who's a former traffic inspector or traffic facilitator study somebody who researched it for the state for the province uh who's now gone into recreating famous car crashes you get to see them do the james dean car crash and you get to see the aftermath of the james manfield car crash in this movie and basically everybody's shagging each other just centered around the idea of um getting off in car crashes so obviously not a mainstream film and though again if showgirls would have worked out been a different uh, 90s i suppose and i mean the story i mean it's you know there's just movies that do it better i suppose the better overly sexualized james spader's definitely secretary um you know the the visuals i would say have been done better I mean, there's some great visuals in this movie, but they've been done better by Cronenberg, say, in Naked Lunch or, most recently, Crimes of the Future. Um, so it's... And the narrative kind of 
falls apart a little bit at the end and there's some unnecessary characters so sometimes it it gets a little pretentious at times so i don't think this will be the film that because uh, i watched this originally probably 2010 an early dvd netflix release um disc for me so i consider this state basically a new viewing and i think i've appreciated it far more all the little details i mean that is the best thing about this feature would be the details and um with uh scars and just again Cronenberg successfully still makes everything hot so imagine if you would have just gone into porn so I mean we could have got artistic porn finally I guess but you know he's a wiser man and I think this is calling and I hope he um wish this would have gotten a lot more attention than just um yeah, we can't sell an NC-17 movie to the masses. Superman! You know, it's the year end, so best of stuff. And I've pretty much gotten down to my top 10 of 2022 in terms of discoveries. It's a little more difficult. Like, I can't get much input from the Poetic Critic, the smartest mind in Central Illinois cinema. Yeah, eat that, Peoria Filmmakers, Facebook post too many notifications so basically i'm kind of in a little bit of a rut in the sense now i went through your letterbox and basically we had five movies total that matched up well that would still qualify i mean we could do the number 23 i guess sonic the hedgehog so deserve a little more respect than I have given it um but basically what Jim Carrey film not gonna put two in the top ten do we go with one of the most underappreciated movies of the 1980s Earth Girls Are Easy or probably the what should have been his most important role of the 1990s The Cable Guy well, I, I would go with Earth Girls Are Easy. It's the better of the two. Okay. So, yeah, otherwise, I did watch Crash. Sadly, <sighs> Crimes of the Future is one minute too long. Which was a, actually a bit of the conversation we were having about watching headlines and, you know, weird f- restaurant errors. <laughs> and he said, it's basically, we gotta. Either, you know, start eating people or start eating plastic. You already said we're eating the plastic. Uh, I don't think as much as you think, but, uh... Basically, like, if you want a cleaner version of Crash, I would say, um... Crimes of the Future. But the rewatch of Crash, like, the details, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not as art. I mean, it's not as artistic as Crash... Well, no, I'm sorry. Crash is not as art... Like, I don't know. It's more of like an effects work thing. You know, you got... Basically, the message of Crimes of the Future is... Surgery is the new sex. And Crash is... Car crashing is the new sex. Um, so... But the fine details of the carnage and Crash... I did not appreciate 12 years ago. So... Right, but otherwise, when it comes, I think we're both in agreement when it comes to our James Whale, it's uh, Invisible Man over Frankenstein. Uh, Yes. Okay. And I guess, you know, just to... So, things I didn't put into this next round, I didn't put the Aristocats, because I really could not remember it besides the... uh, Bad guy getting sent to Timbuktu at the end. Mm-hmm. Remember when uh, we were sending Nor- Normal to Abu Dhabi? Oh, yeah. You know how... Like, was Abu, da- Abu Dhabi really kind of third world at that point? I'm not sure. Yeah, because it just sounded weird to us kids, so it had to be real foreign, not this rich place. <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, you've probably watched more movies than I have this year. Uh, anything you would recommend 
I don't care about the time restraints. Well, offhand, you know, I've seen so much this year that it would take too much time to go into detail. Mm. But, I mean, that's one of the reasons we have letterboxed accounts is that this makes it easier for people to see. Okay, but Letterbox isn't giving us that money yet. I don't know if they're giving anybody money yet. How's that working? I'm not in this for the money. Well, that's why you haven't gotten the co-host option. I'm still looking at request yet. Uh, right, so. But um, the next big movie you're looking forward to, I suppose. I'm not sure. Hmm. I mean... There are some large-scale movies I haven't had a chance to see yet and that aren't in our area or are only available as upcharged rentals, mm. you know, like The Fablemans or ah, films yeah. like that. Mm. I haven't really had a chance to go out to see something like Avatar The Way of Water. Have you seen the original Avatar? Yes. Oh, okay. So, uh, somebody put on Twitter, which... People go to Mastodon. That's my statement there. Russ Stevens at Mastodon dot social. <laughs> um, but I saw on Twitter somebody saying, you know, is James Cameron just a bad director? Or I guess it goes more into my thought that cinema is dead. <laughs> I mean, new cinema is dead, I suppose, because of the streaming being doing so much of the business as I watched uh, The Glass Onion with my parents and little brother tonight on Netflix. We missed its one week window, obviously. So, I guess David Cronenberg is not going to three-peat on top, but maybe it wasn't about David Cronenberg. Maybe it was about the guy who's in all of 80s Cronenberg movies. Like, he's the creepy guy, the very creepy guy in Videodrome that ends up like self-exploding when he dies and I know he was in um, Les Carlson yes thank you and I know he was in The Fly the mm -hmm. past two winners of Best Discovery for me mm -hmm. I don't think he's with us anymore if I'm correct mm -hmm. but I guess we have a name for the Discovery Award so you can take track keep track of what the Poetic Critic is watching on Letterboxd that's The Poetic Critic, all one word, and you can follow what I'm watching on Letterboxd. The username is cmdarth, despite it, pretty much the internet has started just calling me Cat Bus Ross. Not my original intention, I like the cool movies idea, and I like picking on, like the wrestling reference, but... So... Now, just curious, because I'm just looking on the screen right now. Um, are you an elf or a Christmas story 24-7 guy? That's a hard decision, because they're good for very different re in very different ways. Mm -hmm. Personally, I try to... I've been trying to catch up on other Christmas movies, so I don't really binge-watch the favorites. Okay. Well, I definitely recommend, um, I mean, I was able to get to do this podcast this year, did two of the top seven screen drafts, number six with uh, Rare Exports, and number one with Deadly Games. So, um, uh-oh, no, sorry, just seeing the Monday matinee pop up for um, How Did This Get Made, Deck the Halls, which one is that? That's the one with uh, Matthew Broderick and yeah. Danny DeVito. Okay. Yeah. That might be a, worth a listen on the way home if I don't complete the Colin Farrell draft. Yeah, that's a, kind of a famous How Did This Get Made episode because oh. it, reveal, it reveals that uh, basically nobody liked each other working on that movie. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I picked on a little too much on Matthew Broderick of late, I think. Uh, the Rare Exports, somehow we get to the story about... Um, Oh, well, it's basically how Dad would get cynical about movies, like War Games. Mm -hmm. um, when everybody's running into NORAD. And shouldn't one security guard say, Where's the pass? Boom, boom. <laughs> World War Three. <III. laughs> so, 
but can't piss on war games too much because, and I don't, I like the movie, I kind of regret, like, hate the holidays at my retailer because they put so many extra DVDs on that you're not going to see the rest of the year, mm-hmm. and you get the 4K war games, and, you know, as always, I think we will stand by that, because the Beverly Hillbillies movie, I remember, was being okay, <laughs> that, uh, what was it they say about Dabney Coleman? Uh, he's first rate. Okay. All right. And, yep, I think that will sum it up because I've still got to BS about four other movies on this episode. And we will see you uh, come the new year. This should be the first time I'm actually doing a not taking New Year's off. Mm-hmm. Meaning I'm not going to Disney World. <sighs> Screw you, Santa. Screw you. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. So let us get on to the top 10 discoveries of 2022 on 90 for Chill, the podcast, and see what feature is the Leslie Carlson Memorial Best Film, which... I was just doing a bunch of uh, IMDb because, as I say, he dropped out of uh, Cronenberg's work in After the Fly, if I read it correctly. Or maybe I just got fascinated to find out that he was a recurring character for the first season of Highlander the series. Uh, His character was Sam Thompson. He was a nerdy character who just did his best to authenticate stuff for Duncan McLeod. So he's got extra points with me. And I don't really feel as awful about using the uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper I've come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass line since Piper was in season two. So let's get on to the list, though. And I will uh, further break this down on MainEventOfTheDead.com, uh, what movies from the last batch, the movies starting with the going all the way through those movies that have a title with T. I'm not, tar- sorry, not T, the, you know, alphabetical order and stuff gets a little weird when you're making lists on Blogger, I suppose. And I am debating, do I keep 90forchill.com as my website, or do I just, after watching a robot chicken, make a joke about a character on a reality show about dating the beast from Beauty and the Beast? Uh, once she gets kicked off the show, it's like, I don't need this. I got loads of options. Just remember, go to my go to my website, FantasiaJones.blogspot.com. Uh, and then she gets ran over a couple times from the mob hunting down the beast. So, it's a, yeah, I guess it's watch that. Up. Watch Robot Chicken. That's, that's what I usually close my night off with. You know, that and a... I am really impressed by the new era store brand of pot. I'll just go with that. All right, but let's get on to the list. So I would say number 10 this year would be Crash. Um, so I guess this is essentially a... I mean, I'm, I'm calling this podcast David Cronenberg versus the top 22, the top discoveries of 2022. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, there's no denying that it's he's still probably the finest director I've seen um, a movie of this year. Um, I didn't include uh, Woody Allen this time around because um, Woody Allen is still more of a writer than a director. So that's uh, where we go with Crash. And then I would say Clerks 3. I just have a... it's. It's just a great conclusion for all my uh, favorite characters that um, I would say it was probably more Kevin Smith than, say, Robert Rodriguez that inspired me to actually try to want to make a movie. I still have that script for Main Event of the Dead, dot, main event of the dead my uh, intended no-budget Zomcom about pro wrestling. So that's, um, and I think it can be done for the 30,000 they discuss in Clerks 3. 
So it, it's just the perfect closure of that uh, franchise, or at least um, I hope it's going to get weird. Let's just put it that way, because they've kind of bridged stuff with Jay and Silent Bob reboot to say that the Canadian, the um, Great White North trilogy that was intended, um, it was uh, that would be Tusk and Yoga Hosers. And I can't remember what the third movie was going to be, but since there's a sequel to Tusk, uh, in the works. I guess that's still in the same universe. Uh, thanks to Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Uh, number eight on my list would be Low. This is a film that needs to be rediscovered. Uh, this is one that I did a podcast with. I think it was Kodiak Thompson's only appearance this year. And it would eventually lead to, you know, um, finally getting Tim Bates on the show, I think. But it's, um, well, I mean, it's more about the writing, I'd say. It's basically a play. I mean, you could compare it to some of the really cheap stuff that um, uh, famous schlock director, we're talking Blood Feast, a thousand, two, uh, 2001 Maniacs. Um, it may have just been 2000 Maniacs. Um I think it's Herschel Gordon Lewis. That's what I'm spouting out there. Uh, yes, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Uh, if you watch, say, the uh, Cinema Snob or the anything on Channel Awesome, uh, you can see some of the very cheap stuff that he did. Basically, taping children's play. So, uh, I know this movie was done just a few days. Uh, there's really only, uh, I'd say, four actors in it. But it's um, a great movie about uh, love and loss. And, you know, what you're willing to do for to recapture it. And if it could be recaptured. And it's a comedy on top of that. With demons. So, I think that's a, one that uh, you can really only find on YouTube right now. I'm sure I could probably get the disc, maybe through Netflix DVD. You know, I'm just shooting the shit right now, so let me try that. Ooh, if I could go and make a good copy of that. I have the technology. Or, I say I think I have the technology. Uh, come on. Load. Yeah, yep, yeah, so you can still get low on DVD.com. Uh, That's Netflix DVD, so... There's something for you. Uh, I don't know what it costs right now. I'm still grandfathered in on a $4.99 two disc a month deal. So um, I know it was originally $10 one disc a month. I mean, one, you know, get a disc, return a disc. So not a bad deal still. Uh, deal still, I think. I mean, if I went up back to that, I'd probably be watching my movies a lot faster. But, you know, I look at a stack of so many DVDs from uh, that I'm qualifying as Ali's accessory shop on Etsy's trash feature reviews. So, uh, maybe I should just stick to the $4.99. So, we have Crash at 10, Clerks 3 at 9, Low at 8. And number 7, I think I probably enjoyed this uh, movie more than a few of them that are going to be higher but i can't say it's the better movie and that would be the menu from 2022 uh ray fines as a chef uh on an exclusive island plates are 1250 ahead and he is going to make this his greatest performance and all the rich people who have exploited his talents are going to pay for it I mean, besides the 1250. And the spanner in the works, though, would be Anya Taylor-Joy, who was not the original date of... Jeez, was it Theo James? No. Um, dang it. Oh, shoot. I had... I figured his name out. Um, dang it. Yes, you're probably hearing me type on my phone on that microphone. Nicholas Holt. He was Nux in um, um, 
Mad Max Fury Road, and he was Beast in the X-Men prequels. So, uh, it's just builds on the anticipation. You're just hoping for something crazy. I really can't talk too much about it because the end is just so glorious. I mean, it's just the dark humor I like. And that's probably another reason it's so low. But on the list, but I do have a darker comedy in here, and I think the comedy still might be better. Um, well, I guess the darker comedy I'm talking about is not necessarily a comedy. So, I mean, it's a weird Christmas movie. and But we're not there yet. And after the menu, I'd say our number six would be Roadside Profits. This is uh, what allowed us to be introduced to the comedian uh, comedian Tim Loss on this show. Uh, I'm still looking to do an episode about uh, Kayfabe, the unreal true story about professional wrestling. Another movie you can only find on YouTube right now. Um, Well, let me try Netflix DVD since I'm just... uh, BSing as I go along right now. So. No. Uh, it does not pop up on Netflix DVD. So that one's strictly on YouTube. So Kayfabe Movie might be a good search. Um, I think it's Kayfabe, the unreal true story of professional wrestling. Something along those lines. Uh, we were supposed to do that episode, and that was just a classic communication error. So, look forward to having uh, Tim Loss on the show again, but he's keeping himself pretty busy uh, with his comedy, and the winter is the time for that. So, we're up to... Oh, well, I didn't really talk about Roadside Profits. Obviously, it has its own episode. Um, but this is... um. I mean, this is a Gen X Easy Rider uh, with uh, two musicians I admire as the leads, uh, John Doe of The X and Adam Horvitz, DJ Adrock uh, from the BC Boys. And, I mean, it's even, you know, I have not seen Easy Rider. Sorry, I'm something you gotta bring up to the poetic critic, I suppose. Um, but... Like, this is just a uh, adventure, and with two guys just believing that things are gonna work out, and they run into the weirdest people. David Carradine as a shaman, essentially. Timothy Leary as somebody who just has uh, motorcycle parts uh, in his garage, uh, preaching LSD. Um, John Cusack as a remnant. Or at least he claims to be a remnant of the uh, movement that kidnapped Patty Hearst. And he's really just doing that for uh, Dash and Dine. Or Dine and Dash, I'm sorry. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. As I say, it's a movie where you just got two guys who are determined that things are going to work out. And we'll go from there. So, 10, 9, 8, 7... Six, so we are in the top five, and this is a tough one, um, tough spot placement. Uh, this is a poetic critic favorite, of course, um, as we consulted her about it early on in this episode, and that would be Earth Girls Are Easy. I'm not really sold too much on the musicals, uh, still on musicals, but this one does it right. Um, it's fun to see Michael McKeon play against his character type uh, that I think he developed um, once he started working with Lauren Michaels more. Um, and, but I mean, it's not about Michael Keaton. It's, it's the love child of the Gina Davis. This is what Brundle really delivered us. Uh, Seth Brundle from The Fly. So, honestly, it's probably more appropriate. It's probably appropriate to have it this much higher than a David Cronenberg movie, just because this is this is the spiritual sequel I needed for The Fly. And, you know, love the humor. Uh, Jim Carrey and Damon Wayans pretty much got in living color after this. So, something that needs to be documented, uh, more so than, say, Once Bitten, which I talked to the poetic critic about on a entire podcast just dedicated to the 
90-minute filmography of Jim Carrey. So, and number four then, uh, this was the uh, darker comedy I suggested. I'm not really going to call it a comedy. It's a horror movie. Um, but it's very twisted. And with despite all that twistedness, it's something that, yeah, I mean, I think we could uh, show to... Like, that's that's the thing about Christmas horror this year, is that, yeah, I think we can show it to the children. Uh, keep them straight. And there's no elf dong in this one, unlike uh, Rare Exports. But this is one that uh, Gregory Carl was big on uh, getting on the show. And it's just a lot of fun. Uh, you got a genius nine-year-old uh, French person, kid, kid, what am I saying? Uh, Tomas, who's still believes in Santa Claus despite genius level IQ and he's got his house booby trapped just so he can reenact uh, Rambo essentially and there's just a pathetic soul who just wants to be a kid uh, this is what Michael Jackson should have been not not what he not the child molester that he we all found out he was um now, Gregory will say, no, nah, this is just the child bluster. But no, I think it's really just um, what happens is this kid inadvertently suggests that who he believes is Santa Claus that he dialed on the early French Internet. You know, come, come. I, I can't wait to see you. And no, he can't wait to capture the child. And uh, the other title for the another title for Deadly Games as well. The original title is. Uh, three six one five. Uh, co uh, code Père Noël, uh, translates better as uh, three six one five dial code Santa. Um, it's just a. I mean, you're 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 invested the entire time. There's beautiful um miniature work and what have you as i say this is what uh in my conversation with uh the poetic critic earlier this is the movie that uh was vote uh determined by screen drafts uh to be the best christmas horror movie so give it a go um so we're down to the top three and you know you just gotta go with the classics now it could be argued Frankenstein should have made the top 10, uh, but it's getting bumped out uh, by The Invisible Man. It's definitely the best effects, I think, of the John, uh, James Whale horror movies. This is uh, from 1933. I talked about this one with uh, Ween and Ray from Booze, Boobs, and Blood podcast. Uh, great show. Uh, fun Gremlins episode. Um, I don't know if I agree with um you know anybody not liking the movie but i digress i mean i'm the kid who got was scared shitless of gremlins until i was 36 needed my girlfriend to hold my hand i talk about that the rare exports episode with uh seven c's from the no on 15 uh all cast but um no the invisible man it's got the best narrative of the two James Whales I watched this year. Another good James Whale, of course, is The Old Dark House. Um, and now that I'm speaking of horror, and I'll, I'll go and document it in my blog on mainevenofthedead.com, obviously. Um, just the old, and there's still a movie I should give an honorable mention to. That would be um, The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane. Um far more creepier than the invisible man but the creepiness is almost uh hey, there's just a genius to the um performance by and i can't recall his name which is embarrassing he was in casablanca oh geez come on russ oh claude rains I mean, he's just his, this is not necessarily an evil guy or he didn't want to be evil, but hey, people aren't giving him the time to fix his mistakes, so he's just going to go and rule the world is his conclusion. So, I mean, 
The only thing that does not work about the movie is the ending. And yes, it was the 30s. So you want the character to acknowledge that, no, maybe I shouldn't have done all that murdering. But on his deathbed, it's like, I don't know. You're smarter than everybody. I mean, they caught you. They got lucky to catch you. Um, you know, I... Well, y'all make mistakes, so... I would have probably been in Paris by that point and really working on a plan. That, that's, I guess, but... Uh, that might, uh... Speak about my own psychopathy. Look, I'm a guy who owns cat... Uh, who's in love with my two cats. I mean, in love is probably... A, eh, they're my best friends. Um, so... A lot of my, uh, weeks been taking care of Skimble. I think he had sympathy illness over the time I spent at work this week. So, uh, number two. I, so this is probably where people are going to say I'm getting a little too high, um, putting a new release, uh, which would be Turning Red. I just found it to be the best American animated in a traditional sense. So that's probably giving us way the number one um, feature we've had. I mean, one that I really loved, I'd say I hadn't had that, um, you know, since probably, I mean, um, I watched Enter the Spider-Verse it, uh, this uh, year, um, but I would probably say I'm still a little more touched by the Disney style. So maybe I'm really, maybe I am that Disney child who hasn't gotten out of it or hasn't gotten cynical yet. Um, you know, the poetic critic's the one who has. I don't know who heard her on that. But uh, Turning Red, I think, is just a great story about a little girl. Well, not a little girl. She's an adolescent. And with adolescence, um, you go through changes, and her change is that she will become a red giant red panda when uh, stressed out. So, I guess it's now. Now I'm picking up on the, ooh, the turning red might be a even bigger period joke than you'd think. So, but she learns how to deal with it, and I think it's a. It's a good story just because it's a child who's real, and I wish I had it um, uh, when I was a kid. You know, it would have given me a better understanding. Like, yeah, I'm doing everything I can to be the child my parents say I should be, um, and I think that held me back in the end. Like, I should have been ran off the wrestling school right away uh, the moment I knew I was fucking out of computers. Um, my dad's smart man though. He caught on to that and just gave me an ultimatum and I thought, yeah, I'll do it your way. And I think it's a good story where it tells parents who take their kids to watch this movie. Yeah, your way is not always right. So I'm a sucker for a good moral, I guess, and maybe just cute pandas. Uh, just a thought. Are we really pushing red pandas right now just because we're going to lose the black and white ones? Like, sorry, Lin Lin, uh, you ain't shagging. We're going to just, we're going to move on. So, gosh, society has ghosted giant pandas. Man, I thought I had problems with uh, ladies ghosting me. Huh. Um, so, yeah, turning red would be number two. So, I guess I might as well uh, go through the top ten one more time. Um, to, you know, make the number one sound even cooler. So, let's go. We got number ten as David Cronenberg's Crash. Uh, number nine, uh, Kevin Smith's Clerks 3. Number seven, The Menu, with uh, Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy. And Nicholas Holt, John Leguizamo. I did, like, I was hoping to see Violent Night because I thought that's a little more in tune with this podcast. But, no, I, I I really dug the menu. It's one of those, like, if I see a steel book, it's going in the collection. If you hear me, Disney. Um, so, sorry, 
Uh, number 10, Crash. Number 9, Clerks 3. Number 8, Low. I'm sorry I did not include that in that recent countdown. Um, on Netflix DVD or YouTube. Number 7, The Menu. Number 6, Roadside Profits, which John Doe from Roadhouse, if you need more motivation to give it a try. Um... Number five, Earth Girls Are Easy with Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, Jim Carrey, Damon Wayans, Michael McKeon, I, uh, Judy Brown or Julie Brown. Eh, you know, I can only do so much typing on this podcast. Number four, Deadly Games, the French um, cat and mouse with Santa and a nine-year-old boy in a giant mansion. Number three, James Wales, The Invisible Man from 1933. Number two, Turning Red from Disney Pixar. And number one, Phil Tippett's Mad God. Uh, as I talked about uh, when trying to see if Crimes of the Future would qualify for 90 for Chill, the podcast, uh, sometimes the imagery is just stands on its own. Um... So, like, um, like, I think it was Untian Andalou, that might be totally off, Salvador Dali's movie, um, I guess you could say Eraserhead, you know, some things you don't, you just want to try to figure out, and, um, you don't really want to be told the answers, um, I mean, it, 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 Mad God, a story that starts with an assassin going into a world that's just devouring any creature to create something grander, I suppose, um, is just, you, you want, you just want, you constantly think throughout the entire film, what is the meaning? Is there a meaning? Is that the point? Um, it's just beautiful. Again, Gregory Carl and his Shutter subscription. I guess this is the biggest pitch for them because you can also get Deadly Games on Shutter. Um, and I'll have to look into Arrow Player. I found out about that on Screen Drafts. Um, it's just, it's a movie that has to be seen. Um, period. That's I guess why it's number one. Uh, you can say, oh, I'm not into kids' movies, so screw turtle, uh, Turning Red. Um, I don't know why you're on 90 for Chill, the podcast, if you're going to turn away silly comedies like uh, Clerks 3 or um, Earth Girls Are Easy. And, you know, there's stuff that just seems pretentious. I'll give you that. The menu, low. And maybe even Roadside Profits. Like, yeah, should I have watched... I mean... What does that say about my respect for Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper if I didn't watch Easy Rider first? So, um... So, yeah, that's, um... That's our list then. Crash, Clerks 3, Low, The Menu, Roadside Profits, Earth Girls Are Easy, Deadly Games... The Invisible Man, Turning Red, and Phil Tippett's Mad God. So, uh, I guess the lesson is, get a Shutter subscription, even if it's just for a month. They've got all... I mean, there's so much classic horror, and... Joe Bob Briggs. Um, I don't think you'd regret it. So, Shudder, uh, send me a check, I suppose. Um, and no, I'm not going to upgrade AMC Plus, so I may have just shot myself in the foot there. Uh, with all that said, that will conclude 2022 for 90 for Chill, the podcast. Uh, thanks, everybody who uh, checks out the episodes. I think the numbers are a little skewed just because of different uh, devices, different means. I imagine uh, my good friend Ali from Ali's Accessory Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Reviews doesn't actually go to the podcast app. She'll just listen to the raw file that I try out first. 
and post on main event of the dead and 90forchill.com every time I release a blog. I'm not a blog, I'm sorry, a podcast. So, yeah, you can just go to Chrome and get the show there. So, thanks again for all your support. Um, I mean, I've had a great time with all my guests. Um, let's, you know, mention all the great podcasts out there uh, that uh, discovered me and I discovered them. You got No on 15 with 7 C's. You've got the Not a Strong Start podcast with Jorge Nicopolis. And, you know, Booze, Boobs, and Blood. They did their best to help me with the Mastodon push. Uh, you got to thank uh, Dre from the Tattoo Squid podcast um, for just exposing me, you know, to all these guys and his little circle tweets. And, um, you know, I still miss Jessica Quaz. I think we should, we got to get together to do a good podcast sometime. Um, and, you know, our repeat guests are always appreciated. And, and it's just great to get some of these guys on the show for the first time, like Tim Bates, Tim Loss. And, I mean, if it wasn't for them, you know, I'm not saying the numbers are high, but I'm happy for the numbers, and I have to thank them for all their help. And I guess I would even go for Chris Hardwick on the ID10T podcast. Again, listen to the Stanley Tucci episode, and you'll get the entire gist Chris Hardwick approved um, about what 90 for Chill the podcast is. So I wish all of you a happy new year. I hope you had a great holiday, and... Thanks for all your support. Thanks for coming to 90 for Chill, the podcast. Can I hear a wahoo?